boils and ghouls. It's time to gather round us, horrifying hunter, petrified Preston, and devilish Dan. Crack open another cursed volume of tales from the crypt. This is Horrors from the Vault. <laughs> Welcome, kitties, to Horrors from the Vault. My name is Horrifying Hunter, and I'll be one of the three shadowy figures leading you into the dark and haunted corridors of this very vault. Tonight, we're cracking open our 14th tome of Season 2 with Lower Birth, an episode all about the joys of whipping the disabled and making them perform in a carnival. But before we can venture fully into the vault, let me introduce you to my co-host, somebody who's definitely thought, at least, about performing at a carnival, if he hasn't already. What's going on, Devilish Dan? Again, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I have spent nine weeks of my life living at the Ohio State Fair. Not a you lie. You know, if you brought this up, I totally forgot. What the fuck? Uh, uh, so for three years in a row, I was a member of the Ohio State Fair Band, AOSFB, if you will. And you spent three weeks living and performing at the Ohio State Fair. It's a lot of fun. Did they wow. like? But did you sleep in a tent? Did you have a room, no, like at a hotel or something? They have like a big weird barracks that you all have to stay in together and shower. Oh, military uh, style, yeah, like military style. It's across from the sheep barn, so you'd walk, uh, wake up every morning and walk outside, and the sheep would just be going ham over there. Um, <laughs> so no it got you, real. That weird. was like the greatest moment of your life. You're like, fuck yeah, sheep's. <laughs> I loved living at the fair. It was a lot of fun. You got to know the carnies. The carnies were kind of cool, weird, and creepy, but they let you on the rides for free. You got to eat <laughs> bullshit food. It was it was great. Did you get your first tattoo there? No, I don't have any Ooh. tattoos. You should know this. I oh, actually shit. was not aware. I figured you had one or Zero. two hidden somewhere. Zero tattoos. That's like surprising. a Def Cab lyric somewhere. <laughs> you early 2000s indie kid. There are radio head. So many things where I'm like, I should get a tattoo. Of that. I'm going to get a tattoo of that. And then I always think, what if I don't like it? And it's like things that I've loved for like, you know, <laughs> like a twin Peaks tattoo. What if I change yeah. my mind on twin peaks? Yeah. What if after 30 years, I don't like twin peaks anymore? You know, after <laughs> most of my life enjoying it or like trick or treat, like I've loved trick or treat and I should probably get, you know, some sort of pumpkin or Sam or something on there. But, uh, I was like, well, what if I hate it in another five years? All I'm right. Probably. Yeah. Hear, hear me out. Hunter, he's going to turn like 50. He's going to get his first and then he's going to be covered. That's how it's going to happen. I I believe it. I think Dan is hurtling toward. I mean, he's already the archetype. Big beard, mm-hmm. uh, beanies like he's <laughs> he's designed for some sleeves. Like, I'm surprised you've got no like real rat pack. Uh, did I say CDs? He's got he's got some real <laughs> rat pack uh, tattoos in him. I just want to see him come out. 
I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if I, I'm going to end up being a tattoo guy. I'd love to get a tattoo. If anyone has uh, tattoo tips out there, hit me Ooh. up, Red Right Dan. Let me let me know what I should get and where. That's a call for engagement instead of an actual call for advice because I'm heavily tattooed and Dan's never asked me for any advice whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> you you also you also live you know most of the country away from me. <laughs> Somebody who's been chiming in, giggling in the background, the second most tattooed member of, of Mars <laughs> from the Vault. What's going on, Petrified Preston? Sitting here at zero two, my man. That's right. Um, wow. wow. You know, I wouldn't mind some tattoos from this uh, comic adaptation of the story we're about to get into oh. here a little bit. Little little spoiler alert for you. There's some good shit in here. Um, yeah, right. man, happy to be back once again. And geez, an origin story? Who knew? Yeah, yeah. I want to ruin is... Preston's transition. I want to ask Preston what oh. tattoo he would get if he was going to get a tattoo. <sighs> okay, I've thought about this before. So it would it would either be it would either be like general film related Halloween or Batman. I figured it would be either like the 78 pumpkin or like a minimalistic film slate. Those I are got like it. The, those are like the two things I had in mind. I got it. A film strip of Batman fighting Michael Myers. Oh, I was going to say Batman, Michael Myers sold. Oh. Just sold. draw some little ears on him and call it a day. There you go. I like That'd it. He can't turn his neck no more. He can't do the little head tilt it. His neck is too tight. Season two, episode 14, aired on July 3rd of 1990. Preston, before we can talk about the episode itself, let's go see you over at the House of Horror. So lower birth, yeah. So we are going back to 1952 in December. And the good news with this one, thanks to Hoopla, we are in the same uh, kind of collection of stories as our previous episode. So super easy to find on this one. And as I kind of teased early on, it's an origin story. And I think this goes so well, kind of hand in hand with our previous episode and previous story of really kind of going full meta with this series. And that's obviously something that we haven't really done thus far. Now, there is some differences, some key differences between this comic and the show. Whereas the show, we get an origin story for the Crypt Keeper and the comic we got the old witch. Yes, we're finding out about her. But it involves some of the same characters, such as a 4,000-year-old Egyptian mummy and a two-headed corpse. Both of these look awesome in the comic. They turn out to look great in the episode itself as well. And I feel like there was a previous episode, going back maybe two or three, where I was kind of referring to the comic, and I'm like, you know, this has everything you come to this series for. And that's really how I felt about this addition that is between really good story, between some amazing art. Uh, speaking of tattoos, Dan, by the way, I mean, this one's littered with with potential ones right here. Um, yeah, I, I really, really dug this one, I have to say. It's weird because last week we had a flip flop of, you know, the story versus the episode. And we, we again have a sort of a flip flop in this one where the mummy, I almost called her Lorelai from, from the last episode. <laughs> yeah, <pretty much. laughs> yeah. The, the mummy is the main attraction in the comic and, uh, the, the two headed quote unquote freak is yeah. the main attraction of the TV show. It's an interesting switch. Um, probably because the, the, um, 
the you know two-headed guy looks enoch looks a little better uh and is more lively than a mummy would be just standing around on screen but yeah just another interesting little flip there Hey, I'm always here for the uh, Tales from the Crypt carnival vibes, and we're about mm-hmm. to get into those big. But I don't know what it is about that man, but all all those episodes we've seen thus far with this kind of feel and aesthetic, they, they've been wins for me. Yep. We'll talk about it. But before we can do that, Dan, let's talk about some of that top billing. Yeah, let's talk about Fred Decker, the main writer of this episode. He previously wrote and all through the house, only sin deep and the thing from the grave. So if you want to hear more about him, go check out any or all of those episodes. If you haven't already, uh, director might sound familiar as well. Kevin Yeager, he's mostly known as a special effects and a makeup professional. Uh, Tales from the Crypt is likely his only direction, directorial credit, directorial, directorial credit. Let's retake that. one. Hey, Hey, here we go. Ready? Go. Uh, Kevin Yeager might also sound familiar. He is known mostly as a special effects and makeup professional. Tales from the Crypt is likely his only directorial credit. Uh, He also owns his own special effects house called What Else? Kevin Yeager Productions. They've done stuff for Sleepy Hollow, Hellraiser, Bloodline, Face Off, Children of the Corn 3, Urban Harvest, who thought we were going to bring that uh, one up again? But we did. Look at that. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, a couple of those projects, and Weird Al's video for Fat. <laughs> wow. Right, yeah, right up top, we're going to talk about uh, the cast. Louis Arquette as Ernest Feely. He is the patriarch of the Arquette acting family, which we've talked about previously in Four Sided Triangle. His biggest role was as J.D. Pickett on 11 episodes of The Waltons. Uh, He did also a lot of small voice work on projects such as Princess Mononoke, Kiki's Delivery Service, A Pup Named Scooby-Doo, and the real Ghostbusters as Lord of the Stench. He also voiced Superfly Jimmy Snuka on 23 episodes of Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling. That's awesome. And and, if you like wrestling, let's bring this one up. He was Fred King in Ready to Rumble, which also starred his son, David, and almost single-handedly led to David getting a shard of glass, slicing his neck open in a wrestling match nearly 20 (laughs) years later after he had to deal with his own kind of bullshit after he won the uh, WCW championship and really just... The, the fans hated him for it. So, yeah. Uh, if you want to know more about that, go check out a Dark Side of the uh, Ring episode about the, uh, David Arquette versus Nick Gage. Hey, and we got a hell of a doc out of that as well. Indeed. That was good. All right. Uh, you know who else is good? Stefan Gerish. I'm not sure if that's pronounced correct, but it looks correct to me. He played Mr. Sickles. He was in, in, in an insane amount of small TV stints dating back from 1951 all the way through the early 2000s. You can see him on such big shows as ER, the 1990s version of Dark Shadows, Miami Vice, Murder, She Wrote, The Jeffersons, and Gunsmoke. Just a couple more here. We got Mark Rolston as Dr. Zachary Kling. He is the voice of Deathstroke in many modern DC animated video game releases, as well as Norman Osborn in the recent Spider-Man game series, which is fantastic. If you haven't played that and you're into video games, check him out. Uh, He's also Agent Erickson in Saw 5 and 6, uh, Boggs Diamond in the Shawshank Redemption, and Private Drake in Alien. And finally rounding out the cast is Jeff Yeager. He played Enoch, 
the uh, quote-unquote two-headed freak. Uh, he is the older brother of the aforementioned Kevin Yeager, of course. He's another one who's done a ton of TV, his biggest roles being on 19 episodes of V as Kyle Bates, 26 episodes of something called Room for Two, and he was also on six episodes of Six Feet Under. And just because you know that I had to do it, he played John Germain, Elaine's saxophonist boy, boyfriend on The Rye with Francis Bay from Judy. Uh, you're not yourself today on Seinfeld. Man, pretty stacked, uh, stacked roster. Yeah, pretty good. Well, this nope. is, yeah, no big, no big hitters, but yeah, a lot of small right. uh, character parts. Exactly. And this is one of the things, yes, Tales from the Crypt has frequent star talent. I mean, we've covered uh, Lance Henriksen. We've talked about uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger earlier on in the season. So we've definitely had some big hitters. And, of course, fan favorite, Leah Thompson. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, yes, this is one of those episodes that you're reminded of just the amount of talent that goes into a production like this. And good on Jaeger and company for being able to pull um, not only uh, present at the time, uh, stars of kind of the genre, but people that went on to do big things within the horror genre. So that's pretty cool. Let's talk real quick about that Crypt Keeper segment because, guys, I think this is the funniest Crypt Keeper opening so far with that hammer. I love him and his cartoon, almost Bugs Bunny kineticism that he's got going <laughs> on here. And then also, Preston, you've you've been talking about the origin story and everything, um, but this is just a great setup for the ending. I like that they don't set it up yeah. with "This is my birth." Like I, I'm glad they don't do any of that. And he's just like, "I'm going to tell you about a horror icon that's very close to me," and yeah. uh, it's a, it's a fun little setup for the story. It was it was really surprising to me. I actually um, kind of like you mentioned in our previous episode, Hunter. I watched this episode before I actually read the the comic, uh, you know, that inspired it, and uh, I was kind of taken aback. Like, oh wow! And even at the end, well, I won't I won't go that far, but yeah, I was I was kind of thrown for a loop with that in, in a good way. I enjoyed it. Do you think he would murder a child? Oh yes, hmm. absolutely. He'll yeah. take it out. Do you think because like Michael Myers won't kill a baby? I think the Crypt Keeper would eat a baby like straight up. I think the Crypt Keeper only eats babies. (laughs) That's how he stays young. He's like Dick Clark. That's right. What's the name of that shit that they extract from uh, from babies, according to QAnon? Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) all I know is that we uh, we might play it at the end here for a change of pace after the the outro. But Nick Lutzko (laughs) of the Spirit Halloween theme song fame and a handful of others. He wrote a song a couple of years ago called Baby Blood, and it's all about how Donald Trump uh, refuses to drink it. And that's why he looks like ass. Um, (laughs) It's it's a great number. And I sing it probably weekly. Uh, Nick Lutzko. Stay tuned at the end. It's adrenochrome, by the way. Adrenochrome is in baby's blood. Celebrities are hot because they all drink baby blood. Television terror, the episode itself. Horrors from the Vault listeners, have you ever been to a sideshow freak gallery? Now, I'm not talking about your local Walmart after midnight, a Bucky's at three in the morning, <laughs> the numerous people you're only tangentially aware of because of their grifting on social media. No, 
I'm talking about the real dirty and slimy Todd Browning shit. Mm -hmm. The fat lady, the small family in a shoebox, the living human skeleton, or maybe that slice of daddy named Enoch, a double-faced monstrosity that looks like Slaw from the Goonies fucked a Xerox printer. <laughs> Enoch lives in a cage at Feely's Fairway of Freaks, and it is a rough go as, as the star attraction of the sideshow. Sadly, Enoch is dying. Broken heart, backed up testes, it could be a multiple of things. His owner, Mr. Sickles, is no kinder to him than Mr. Feely and whips him, not unlike Quasimodo of Hunchback fame. Sickles meets a stranger who brings him something valuable to earn his keep, a 4,000-year-old mummy. Dr. Zachary Kling tells Sickles he won her in a card game. The mummy, known as Myrna, was a slave girl who never bore children because that would be gross. The doctor gave Sickles his mummy for a 40-60 split, and he starts appearing in the sideshow. All right, we've got our setup here. You guys have talked about it plenty, but I want to open it up for discussion. The return to the carnival episodes of Tales from the Crypt, something that we've revisited a couple of times now. This one really nails the dirty, grimy side of the carnival. Meanwhile, mm. Dig That Cat was very you know, humorous and it was played uh, very kind of cartoony, even though it had that horror element at the end with running out of lives. And yes, of course, the dead cat side. This is just a very sad and dour episode of Tales from the Crypt. There's not a lot of joy to be gleaned from this one whatsoever. No, uh, it's yeah, it, it's kind of a bummer. And Enoch is a very tragic figure, to say yeah. the least. Absolutely. I, there's something I need to make note of because, I mean, I, I talked about how I really enjoy this aesthetic of this episode. And I don't know, a lot of the technical kind of achievements of this one, I, I really like. Like, I, I love the lighting and kind of the atmosphere they're mm -hmm. able to provide. And obviously the the makeup effects work is, is really fantastic. But I love when we meet that doctor character. It's about six and a half minutes in. There's just this really cool shot of him popping up. I think he's got like a pipe or something and really, really love our introduction to him. And and he is a perfect example of one of those actors we're talking about who, yeah, sure. Not, you know, a star, you know, level, but uh, just a great character actor. And he's one of those guys you've seen in a number of different things as Dan, you know, talked about early on. Yeah. hundred percent. The atmosphere on this is fantastic. It's very similar to nightmare alley, which I think we've mentioned before, yeah, probably yeah, when we were talking about dig this cat, but yeah, it's, it's very nightmare alley ask, very dust bowl, gross, grimy carnival. Um, and yeah, some of the shots are fantastic. That shot of Fanny, the fat lady, when she's debuted is kind of terrifying. It's a really low angle shot and she's just like yeah. kind of tilting down into the camera. I love that shot. Um, I didn't like that. The littles didn't live in a shoebox like they were advertised. <laughs> they were just seemed to be little people with a just child. Little people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, you can see them kind of just walking around at Walmart. Uh, if you're there at the same time, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't appreciate the overselling of uh, them. And we never got to see Skullface, the living human skeleton. Yeah, yeah. I thought we were going to get a tattooed man at that point. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there was, you know, there was lizard man running around at that point. We could have we could have found somebody to do the living human skeleton. Um, but yeah, good point about the little people. I mean, I'm just reminded of a something we talked about a couple weeks ago in Bruges um, <laughs> with the, yeah. the yeah. little people content in there. Um but yeah, good points on all of that. 
And uh, I think that's one of the only sad parts of this episode is that I feel like there's so much good production value here. It also doesn't quite fully hit the levels that some of those early episodes did as far Mm. as like their cinematography and their lighting. I think it really could have uh, this episode could have been even higher up on the list if it had some more of that technical proficiency behind it, because I think like there are some interesting ideas, but for the most part, I thought it was kind of shot kind of flat. And I just wish that it had a little bit more oomph to it, a little more chutzpah. Hmm. That's interesting. I see. I thought it was actually shot pretty well. Um, like I said, especially the, uh, the, like just the, the, the oeuvre of the carnival and you know everything mm-hmm. going around like the set design is really good uh it felt claustrophobic i don't know enoch never knowing love or the pleasures of a cheesy gordita crunch falls in love with myrna after a young girl gives enoch her doll sickles comes in to serve his sunday morning brunch to enoch by sunday morning brunch i mean abuse he notices something <laughs> on the God. <laughs> He notices something on the newspapers that line Enoch's cage. Myrna is a stolen treasure. Obviously, Sickles is upset about this. So he goes to Dr. Kling and he confesses that, yes, me, Dr. Zachary King, I did steal Myrna. But the thing is, I wasn't after the mummy. I really don't have any. I believe he says I hardly have any use for a 4000 year old dead woman. (laughs) Yeah. But he is after that necklace around Myrna's neck. The one that he called previously costume jewelry is actually worth something. It's very, very valuable. However, the problem is this necklace, you can't just swipe it. You can't just take it. The necklace is cursed. And any dude who tries to remove it off of Myrna will get castrated. (laughs) (laughs) What What a twist to throw in here. I don't think that mummy castration is something I had seen before. It definitely wasn't in the universal horror picks. Uh, (laughs) It wasn't in tales from the dark side, which has one of my favorite mummy stories. Um, What, what a fun twist on the, (laughs) the castration mummy legend. (laughs) I wonder if a a lady stole the jewels, what would happen? Well, that's Mm. it. Why don't you go grab, obviously the little girl is not part of the story, but bring her back in and have her grab the necklace or whatever. Um, Because I imagine it's only towards dudes because obviously the reason the mummy exists in the first place is because she allegedly, I say allegedly, but yeah, she spurned the advances of a pharaoh. I got to be honest, when when I first saw this kind of being introduced, I did get a little worried because we do not have the best track uh, track record (laughs) that is when it comes to jewelry, particularly necklaces in this series Uh, thus far. uh, So I did not know really where we were going (laughs) with it. And the addition of them that wasn't in the comic book. Yes, right. Just kind (laughs) of magically, you know, showing up out of nowhere. Yeah, that is a really brilliant. Jaeger, we need a hook for our story. What what do you think we should add? (laughs) Castration mummy. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say that the uh, the scam of you know calling the the uh, the necklace costume jewelry and then just you know proving it by just letting the guy take it and do whatever he wants with it. You know, not not protecting it at all. The 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 con man's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just costume jewelry. Don't worry about that. It's a it's a good little twist. I enjoyed that. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Obviously, Sickles, he doesn't believe this and goes off to grab that necklace, but Kling tries to stop him, and Sickles stabs him with a pair of shears, killing him. 
He was castrated. He was castrated. That was my line. Not because it's a funny line, but because of the the delivery. It was very bizarre delivery. You know how I know last week's episode wasn't good? You didn't because I didn't have a line. I did not. I tried. I tried so hard to find a line. I'm like, nah. There's no good lines in this bad ridden episode. Sickles, he goes back and plants the shears in Enoch's cage in an intention to frame him for Kling's murder so he can make off with the necklace. (laughs) Enoch has had enough of his bullshit. And after watching that, uh, his abuser grab that necklace off of the love of his life, he grabs those shears. And I believe I I couldn't write it better than somebody wrote previously. So I'm going to read this liberate sickles of his testicles. And with them, (laughs) ironically filling out the curse. Amazing. Testicles. There's a thing there, right? Testicles. <laughs> Testies. <Yeah. laughs> Enoch runs off with the mummy and they vanish into the night. One year later, the cops show up to Feely's sideshow. And the police, they're like, hey, you had a little bit of trouble last year, didn't you? I think we've made some headway on this case. They go down to a nearby cave and Enoch is inside, dead. But he is very happy. He's, you know, he he died post-coitus because he is in the arms of that mummy who we saw spring to life a couple of minutes earlier. Feely, disgusted and unable to breathe by the rotting corpses, runs out of that cave. But the episode's not quite done because we slowly pan over and there is an incredibly hideous young child, a little baby in that corner. And that little unholy devil... Is a guy named the Crypt Keeper. He's got the same haircut as Hunter does. A little swoopy, <laughs> swoopy out front bangs. It's kind of got a little uh, baby Grinch to him a little bit. Guys, let's take a minute just to talk about baby Crypt Keeper. Uh, you've yeah. mentioned swoopy hair. You've talked about, uh, I, I do appreciate that this is basically just a baby that's missing its nose. <laughs> I don't understand where this feature came from because the mummy got her nose. Enoch got his nose. Was he just, uh, this is the result of uh, the crossbreeding experiment (laughs) that happened here? It's it's exactly what I thought. Enoch had too many noses, so he had to give one up. (laughs) God was like, I'm taking that one back. (laughs) Yeah, you had two. Now you have this baby's got zero. That's what God sounds like. God is apparently a guy, old Italian man from Moonstruck. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we cut over to the closing Crypt Keeper, and this is also extremely funny. Him outright yeah. sobbing at telling this story, and then he's also insane, which I don't yeah. think we see enough of of the Crypt Keeper no. because he he very much does the Jokerism of swapping back and forth between sobbing, telling one-liners, cracking up, cackling towards the sky. He's absolutely deranged, but that's why we love him. And this is just a very, like, I watched this multiple times, like we say on every single episode. The movement they get out of this puppet in this scene. Yes. I forgot I was watching a puppet every single time I watched this closing sequence. Yeah, he's flying around and heads go in different directions than his body. I, I wrote down exactly what you did, Joker-esque, where it's, he's, he goes from emoting and just crying and sobbing his eyes out and then just cackling like a maniac. Yeah. Love it. It's so he, wild. Like, I mean, just the smallest little details. Like, I love him, obviously, tossing the baby. But, like, 
it literally looks like his fingers like are applying certain levels of pressure. And I mean, like you just kind of pick up on these things the more times you watch the episode, but I completely agree. Like it, he looks so good in this sequence. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it's just a fun little story. He's uh, like Dan and I've said, he is absolutely insane at this point because he's still throwing out the one liners. Like he, we didn't even get to grow up together and he's like (laughs) sad about it, but he's also, he can't stop himself from cracking one liners. It's a very amusing moment. The mummy was my mommy. (laughs) And I like that. They don't trust the audience to yeah. know that that's Crypt Keeper Baby at the end, so he really has to hammer it home. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> I do need to know what happened to Crypty in between, you know, Cave and now, because I don't think that those people took him with them. I think right. they left they left him there to die a uh, horrible death, so someone had to come get him, or he survived on bugs or something until for five years. I don't know. Man, I need I to know. I didn't mention this, but I was a big fan of that cave. Like that's mm-hmm. pretty damn scary to me. And I don't know something about just the set and the setting. I, I really liked that. That set had to be used for something else. There's no way they built that whole ass set no. of a cave for, for that, you know, 30 second long scene. Yeah. You would not think so. No. All right, guys. Well, let's pay our last respects. Devilish Dan, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Yeah, uh, if you couldn't tell, I like this one a lot. What we kind of undersold was Enoch. Uh, Jaeger is pulling some some extra work in there. He is emoting through just what appears to be pounds of prosthetics, and he really pulls it off. Uh, he he, what could just be like a plastic face monster, uh, he turns into an actual character. Uh, you mentioned he was sloth esque. Um, from the Goonies. And I agree because I actually looked up to make sure that he did not play sloth and it, it was a different guy. Um, but yeah, he could be sloth's long lost brother. Um, but yeah, uh, great performance, like fantastic performance from him, especially with that little girl. There's like a real Frankenstein esque moment there. I love yeah. that. Um, great atmosphere. Like we talked about briefly. Uh, I'm going to give it, I, I was going between three and a half and four. I'm going to give it three and a half because there's probably like one little piece missing that I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, three and a half. You guys like this one a little bit more than I did. Um, I'm glad to hear all the reasons why it did work for you. This one was one that I enjoyed watching, but also while thinking back and maybe it's a byproduct of watching these in preparation for the show where I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to watch that again anytime soon. You really have to kind of stand out to be one of those where I immediately want to pop you on for a fourth time. Overall, mm-hmm. though, it's well made. I think they they could have done a little bit more to make it kind of... Uh, just more cinematic, but I mostly like the story here. I kind of wish it was actually fleshed out a little bit more. I think this could be a longer episode of tales from the crypt and I would have been satisfied with that. Uh, but as it stands right now, I am sitting right at a three. You wanted the full details of mummy sex. I want the X rated mummy, <laughs> mummy birth. I want to see doesn't? that dust shoot out. I want to, oh. I want to see it all. Um, <laughs> Petrified Preston, close us up here, bud. Man, I am on the exact same page as Mr. Dan. Yes, um, three and a half severed thumbs out of five. You know, I'd be interested to get your take on this, Hunter. I mean, I think in the grand scheme of things, like this is 
probably like pretty required viewing and reading, like considering, you know, our, our origin kind of concepts we get out of this thing. Um, really impressed obviously with a lot of the atmosphere and the settings like we talked about. And yeah, while this isn't like a joyful, overly funny episode, I do think it, uh, it does a good, good job of, of kind of getting its point across there. And, and I'd be lying if I said the end didn't kind of perk me up and like, Oh shit, wasn't necessarily expecting that. So yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed this one. Good stuff. All right, guys. Well, let's go ahead and hit our closing notes and we will get out of here. All right, Devilish Dan, go ahead and hit the folks with all the good news from yourself and Horrors from the Vault. Yeah, yeah, socials. If you want socials for the pod, Horror Vault Pod at all the normal places, Twitter, Blue Sky, Instagram, threads, all that good stuff. You can email us directly at horrorvaultpod at gmail.com. If you want to check my bullshit out, uh, that's all the socials as well at Red Right Dan. Uh, you can check me out on Letterboxd, dropping logs. That's Daniel P. Sims. Thank you. Awesome. Petrified Preston. Hey, Dan, thank you so much for your work, by the way, on all those socials, doing a great job of getting those episodes out. Um, yes, you can keep up with me if you like. Hey, also dropping a log or two over on Letterboxd at Preston967. You can also find me under that same handle on the tweets, as well as Facebook under Preston Green. Yeah, keep up with us. Awesome stuff. And if you want to keep up with me, you can do so, of course, right here on Horrors from the Vault. I want to give a shout out to the Real Fans for Real Movies podcast network and specifically the podcast of the same name. Again, that's the Real Fans for Real Movies podcast. Uh, Preston and I just joined the guys over there to talk about our five favorites and our five least favorite movies of 2023. So if you want to hear us cover uh, some additional films Go check those out. Dan wasn't invited. He may be jacking off too much. Uh, he's <laughs> you guys fear what you don't understand. And that's, all say. that's right. That's right. Um, but seriously, though, go check those out. I don't know if the best of will be up at the same time that this episode goes out, but I know for a fact the worst of. So go check that out and then uh, come back for the next episode. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Discount Vincent Price. And you can also find me on Instagram at the same handle. But more importantly, come back for Horrors from the Vault, baby. We love you smooches get it on with your mummy friend crypt keeper cry your eyes out babe Right. So let
tease our hearts because they all drink baby blood. And Donald Trump is saving us from satanic scum. And we are actually, we're saving the world. What do you think? He looks like shit because he refuses to put baby blood against his lips. Why is his name all over Epstein's list? Cause he's been playing the long game, duh. He had to trick us. Celebrities are hot because they all drink baby blood. And Donald Trump looks like wet ass because he doesn't do that stuff. 